Welcome to the Online Success Journey Podcast, your opportunity to discover and learn from entrepreneurs like yourself. This is not your typical podcast, but a place where you can get the real story and find out how real people encounter speed bumps and detours, but journey through to find success. Now here's your host for the Online Success Journey Podcast, Patience. Hello everyone and welcome to Online Success Journey. This is episode 257. Today we have Devin Mira, the founder and the CEO of Mira IP Law, also a podcaster. His passion is to help other small business owners learn about patents, trademarks and copyrights so they can build value into their businesses and protect their assets. Hello Devin. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, to share a little bit about what I do. Uh, thank you for coming. I know the clanny is anxious to hear your story, so let's get started with the basics. Can you tell my clan a little bit about your background, about what you did before you started your own business? Yeah, so, and just with all good questions, that's a short answer too much, or a short question to a much longer answer, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so my background going back to when I was uh, in, in studying in, in college. So I have an undergraduate. I end up getting, I guess, four degrees, which my wife would say is uh, three too many. Um, but I got a degree in electrical engineering, uh, Mandarin Chinese for undergraduate. And then I did a uh, couple degrees. I went off to graduate school and did an MBA degree or master's of business administration, as well as a law degree. So with all of that, um, kind of as I graduated, I, I kind of have two competing interests. I don't know they're competing. I think they go well together. Uh, but I love startups and small businesses and working with them. And also like doing er, and helping them with patents and trademarks. And then I also um, love running and uh, doing my own startups and small businesses. So with that, after graduating, um, I for a while, I would do kind of what would be, you know, Everybody would call a side hustle or, you know, that, you know, the kind of the overused term of, you know, doing that. And so I had a few businesses, startups I was running on the side, a um, couple of which have now grown into seven and eight figure businesses. And then um, also while or along with that, uh, doing a full time employment, uh, working for a few different law firms. So I worked with a couple large law firms, top 100 ones in the U.S., um, helping a lot of big businesses like Amazon and Intel and Red Hat and others. Um, but I really just found that I love working with startups and small businesses, helping them, focusing on them. And so that's about uh, a little over two years ago, I started my own law firm that uh, Miller IP Law, where it really focused on helping them with startups and small business or split patents and trademarks and uh, helping them to have the same representation that the, the bigger companies get. Wow. What a background, Devin. <laughs> Lot, lots of time and effort, but I certainly, I certainly have enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the journey. Wow, that is the main thing. As long as you enjoy the journey. <laughs> That's okay. Right. What is the most dangerous belief an entrepreneur can have? I mean, I, I would say that the, the the biggest belief or the thing that's the most important for an entrepreneur is, you know, I guess. A couple things, but one was, you know, I, I would look at it as just go, getting out and doing it, meaning that the biggest thing, and I, I both with the businesses I've done, other people I've worked with and working with a lot of them is, you know, 
people eventually get started. And once they get started, they say, hey, I wish I'd got going five years ago or 10 years ago or jumped in or I hadn't waited so long. And, you know, that's what I find is the biggest, you know, biggest regret or the biggest thing that people can do is rather than waiting for the perfect time or for the, the time that, uh, you know, that they need to get go- or think they should get going or the wait, always waiting for the perfect timing. It's just you simply jump in, get going, get started, and that will have the, the biggest impact on your business. You have all these three degrees. Do you use them in your businesses now? Yeah, so the one I probably don't get to use as much, and I wish I had more of an opportunity is the Chinese degree, um, just because I, I haven't had as much opportunity with things internationally as I might otherwise like. Every once in a while I will. But otherwise, yeah, all three degrees I use pretty regularly. So I work on um, both on my own businesses. A lot of components have electrical engineering and development uh, flavors to them. So I use an engineering degree pretty frequently. And then where I, I run my own businesses, I use the um, MBA or Master's of Business Administration quite a bit, uh, relying on that for everything from marketing to finance to business management, to HR and everything in between. And then certainly on the, the law side where I do a lot with patents and trademarks and helping startups and small businesses, um, I do use it, utilize that every day. So really, uh, you know, mo- or basically all, but maybe a little bit less on the Chinese degree tend to mix and use uh, degrees in the background and, and what I studied on a pretty frequent or daily basis. Wow. Thank you for sharing. But, Devin, why do you do what you do? I, the simple or the easy answer is because I love it or and I enjoy it. And so, you know, I always look at it as why, you know, what, what people always say, follow your passion, which I think is partially true. And I think that you follow your passion that also can or that is marketable and that people are willing to pay for. Right. So if you can find, you know, following your passion, if you if you're passionate about being a cook, but you never you don't have the skills to be a you know professional cook or a, a restaurant, or, you know, work at a restaurant just because you love cooking doesn't mean you're going to be able to make a career out of that. But where where I found for me is, you know, if I can find the things that I'm passionate about that I also am good at and that will, or people are willing to pay for and there's a a demand in the marketplace is why or why I do it. Um, And then beyond that, it's just really, I love it. So I I love, I don't, I guess probably born into me or or at least bred into me at some point is the idea of loving to um, work as a, a startup or as a small business, be able to, you know, not be reliant or, you know, be in, in, in hold or hold or not having to have somebody else that directs me that I can make my own decisions, build the business, business, be successful or, you know, not be successful, but at least it's reliant on me and what I and I have the direction of my own fate. So I just tend to enjoy, you know, all of the businesses I work on. I'm passionate about them. And then I also think or found a way to make them profitable and to be able to be in control of my destiny. Let's put the man aside. How do you know you are successful? To a degree, I'll say I'm successful. I don't know that that's probably a never ending journey or something that will forever be ongoing in the sense. I don't know that you ever to say, yep, I've, you know, maybe if you're Jeff Bezos and you're the richest man in the world, you can say, okay, I'm probably successful. But I think that for everybody else, you're really saying, you know, it's levels of success. Or I, I would look at it as accomplishing goals saying, Hey, for this year, I have, 
goals for the business. I'm going to grow it so much. I'm going to have so much revenue. We're going to roll out these new programs and we're going to hire on these new people, those type of things. And I set business goals for each of the different businesses I run. And then I base, you know, a lot of the success on, hey, did we meet these goals? Do we exceed these goals? Do we not meet these goals? And if not, if so, if we didn't meet them, why not type of a thing? And then based on that, I, I gauge the success. And, you know, it's, sometimes you have the greatest goals and you end up adjusting or pivoting those goals. And I adjust the goals along the way. But if I'm actively meeting the goals that I'm setting and accomplishing the things that we're working to set out, then I find that as a success. So I put it less on certainly the business has to be profitable has to making money and has to have that revenue source in order or otherwise a business doesn't exist but beyond that it's then hey are we hitting our goals are we accomplishing the things that we want to and are we are, are we measuring success that way you worked for many companies mm-hmm. and you met lots of people in different places but can anyone be an entrepreneur or are some people more cut out for it than others yeah i think I think that some people think they're entrepreneurs and then they actually try it out and they find out that they're not. So there's certainly, you know, some people, you ask my wife, she loved or she was for a period of time. She now stays home and, and, and is with the kids all day um, and, and taking care of them. But for a period of time prior to that, before we had kids, she worked as a nurse and she loved being a nurse. She loved the job. And she also liked the nine to five. I can go into work. I can do a good job. I can clock out and I come home and I don't have to worry about anything else. And so some people, I think, are like that. that They like the, let let me do what I'm best at. Let somebody else worry about everything else. And I'm I'm not the person that wants to worry about that. So I think some people just naturally don't have the drive or desire or want to be an entrepreneur. They just want to do what they're good at. Other people, I think, are... The ones that, hey, they're kind of what you know, entrepreneurs, you know, maybe the overused term, but in the sense that they think they want to be an entrepreneur, it sounds exciting, it sounds fun, right up until they actually try it out. And then they find out, hey, this isn't as fun. There's, you know, now I have to worry about other employees and taxes and payroll and marketing and business growth and everything else and juggling all those. And they soon find out, you know, they like the idea of being an entrepreneur, but not the actual um, doing it all. And then I think you weed that out and you have a small set of people that just, they get into it and they love it. And so, you know, they want, they, it's the fun and excitement of figuring out the problems of managing people, of bringing or building something, of seeing it grow. And so do I think all people are built out of, to be an entrepreneur? No, I think that there are some people that are built to do or to do a very good job working for someone else. Some people that are, that are, think they want to be entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, but then find out they would rather work for someone else. And then they're the people that actually love it. And those are the people that flourish and, and or it can grow a business. What are the essential things a startup should focus on, especially in this time where things are really tough? Yeah, I mean, I, I already hit on one, which is I think that, you know, find what you're passionate about. That is also there's a demand in the marketplace. And I think that one is probably the biggest one. You know, you can have the world's best idea, but if nobody's going to pay you for it, it's just, you know, whether or not you build it or not, it's not going to be a business. It, you know, maybe fun to develop it, but it's not a business. On the other hand, and beyond that, I, I would say look at especially when you have, you know, things going on with, you know, the world economies and you have COVID and other things. 
you know, looking for ways to do it differently than what our others are doing is always, I think, uh, what a strong business has to do. And if you want to compete and succeed long term is, you know, if you're to take any time the market changes or things are adjusting. So if you look at, you know, COVID as an example, and you can take it as the housing market and and at least in the U.S. in 2008, 2009, and they're always something that's causing the market to change and causing the market to adjust. And you got to look at those as opportunities of ways to to do something different, to be able to compete and to take it up or take advantage or take the opportunity when things are changing or adjusting and they aren't the same to be able to figure out now what is the opportunity is that present. And if you can figure those out in whatever industry you're in, that's going to be the most or helpful or successful. The ones that if you stay stagnant, you say, this is how we've always done it, or this is how we've been doing it for years, and you just simply sit or stagnate and never do anything more, those are the businesses when you hit the hard times and they're not willing to change or to adjust or to do something different are the ones that are going to, I think, struggle the most. What are some of the biggest mistakes businesses make with patent or trademarks? Yeah, so I think there are a, a few. One is that they, they wait too long, and the other one is that they do it going in too early. So within waiting too long, so if you take patents as an example, um, most countries, including the U.S., is going to be a first-to-file system, meaning the person that files on an invention or files a patent application on invention first is the one that's presumed to be the inventor of it. So sometimes people wait too long, and I get it, you know, it's you only have so much time, money, and effort to do on a startup or small business or any business, and you wait too long, and somebody else will come along file a patent on it, and then you're going to have the issue of somebody else has now patented your idea or something you've been doing for a while, and now you can actually create problems if you're not able to continue on with the, what you've been doing. Another one is if you wait too long, is most countries, including the U.S., um, they have a they have bar or, you know bars or deadlines within which if you don't file a patent application by that deadline you you don't no longer able to file. So in the US that's going to be a year. So if you put it your idea out into the public whether it's putting your website up, going and pitching it to investors, put or selling your product, doing presentations on it, doing conferences or anything else, you from the day you start putting it out in the public, you have a year to go after a patent application on. If you don't, if you go beyond that year, they're saying, well, now you've dedicated it to the public domain, meaning anybody can use it, anybody can copy it, and you, you lose your rights to it. So if you wait too long, you can miss those deadlines, and then you're no longer able to protect what you're putting all of your time, money, and effort into developing. Um, on trademarks, you know, you can almost, you can be a bit of the same thing. If you wait too long, you're building a brand, you're building a company, you're building a reputation, and yet you wait too long to file a trademark on it, then other people will come along that will start to knock off your brand or copy your brand. And then you can create problems of now you've you've built a brand, you put a lot of time and effort into branding and building the reputation. And now you, you don't have, you've lost a lot of your rights in order to protect that brand. So again, on both of those, that's kind of waiting too long. Sometimes if you wait too short, you, you know, if you go too in it too early, you're not far enough along, you end up wasting money. And so there's a bit of a sweet spot to where you don't want to do it too early. You don't want to do it too late. So I don't know, that at least maybe gives a couple ideas of, of mistakes people sometimes make when they're getting into patents or trademarks. What have you learned from business as a whole? Um, yeah, we've hit on some of those. I mean, I think that 
One is, you know, the difference between a, a successful business and, and not one doing is the ability to pivot. And, you know, another one we've already hit on is certainly diving in and just doing it, meaning if you, you'll never, you, you, you may regret doing it if your business founders are business successful, but you'll never know. If you never dive into it, you'll certainly always have that. I wish I tried it out or I always had this idea that I never pursued. So that's another one. Um, you know, as far as other things that I, I, I think sometimes, you know, and myself included, you one other thing that we haven't hit on is is getting outside validation from other people, meaning, and that's not friends and family. That's not people that you know that are going to just tell you nice things and aren't, don't want to hurt your feelings. But really, before you build a business or before you build a product or service and get so far along the road, go out and talk with people. Not only talk with them and ask them what they think, but start asking for money, saying, hey, would you be willing to pre-order, put down some money? Would you be willing to invest? And because that's a lot of times when you get the real feedback, they're saying, well, you know, that's a good idea, but it's, it's probably not for me. And if you get that over and over, then you're going to get an idea. I'm, you know, people aren't buying or aren't going to want to buy what I'm selling and I need to figure out something. So I think getting out there earlier in the process, talking with people, getting their feedback, seeing if they're willing to buy it is going to, to help to be a successful business and to avoid uh, going after business that may not be successful. How did you find your first startup that is turned into a multimillionaire dollars business? Yeah, so that one was while I was still in doing law school and MBA, so doing those degrees, it started out there was a business competition within the schools that they were, um, that you could go and enter. And so really you would go to a kind of a, you know, introductory meeting, you'd meet new people that you didn't even know beforehand, you'd form groups, and then, you know, and you'd have different types of people. So we had, you know, you'd have designers, you'd have engineers, you'd have lawyers, you'd have MBAs, you'd have other types of, you know, different backgrounds, but you'd form a group, and then you would, um, you know, come up with an idea and, and enter it into the competition. Well, I, we, when I did that, so I, I went and, and participated, formed a group, um, we came up with a, and the first year we came up with an idea, um, entered into the competition, and it didn't. It, it took second place. Um, didn't didn't do much more with the idea. We went our separate ways. The next year came around, and all of us were still in school, and we decided to uh, enter into the business competition again. Do it this the following year, and that year, um, you know, we were trying to brainstorm and come up with ideas. Um, we came up with a few, but none of us were really excited about them. Um, and then as I was walking home from um, from school one day after we'd had one of our meetings trying to decide what we wanted to do, enter into the competition, I was uh, thinking about, so I, I, at that point, was entering into marathons and running and enjoyed doing some of the races. And one of the things I thought would be cool is if you could monitor your hydration level as you're running, as you're racing, you're preparing for a race. Um, and, you know, there wasn't anything really out there to help you to make sure you're hydrated. So with that idea, came up with an idea of a, a wearable um, that you could um, you could monitor your hydration level. Um, and this was this was in the days you didn't have Fitbits, you didn't have Apple Watches. There really wasn't a lot of wearables or anything out there, but thought that would be cool. So took that as an idea, entered it in the business competition um, with the, the other people on the team. We took second place again, but I was excited enough and interested in, in the idea enough that uh, I then uh, bought out my uh, business partners in the or the other partners in the competition, bought out their um, stake in the business, continued on with it myself, 
did that as a, a side business or really a, a second or a full-time business alongside doing the law practice and built that into a larger business, which is still going today and um, pivoted and adjusted it a bit, um, but still actively, that business is still actively working on wearables and, and doing things in the marketplace. In your businesses, do you have mentors and coaches? Yeah, so I would say that there's a different types of mentors, some of which, you know, you know, you have a relationship with, you go grab a lunch or you meet with them face to face. And there are others that, hey, you never actually met, but you can look at their example of how they've done it and still um, try and replicate it. So within those, I have both. So I have probably, you know, one of the, the best mentors I have would be my father. Um, he's always been an entrepreneur. He's an engineer as well. And he's, he's run his own business and been successful. And I've always, he's always been a great example of, you know, both pursuing your own, uh, pursuing your own businesses and being successful and, and been one that I've always relied on and she, or bounce ideas off of. And he's actually one of the businesses I'm involved with. He, we work side by side. So I work with him together. So that's been, that's been very uh, gratifying and, 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 and rewarding to do that. If I were to then say, you know, people outside of the, that realm of people I don't, I don't know personally, but I still look as for examples. Um, you know, I look at, I have one, you know, I, I love uh, Dave Ramsey and he's a big into the financials and getting out of debt and he's one that I've, you know, both personally, but also mentor in business as to how he's focused on helping customers, focusing on helping people to as they they grow and succeed. He also grows and succeeds and how he's built a business around really serving others and taking that as a focus of his business. And a lot of what I do in the, with my law firm um, at Miller IP Law is to also focus on um, serving other people, making sure that their success if they're successful, I can be successful. And so he's been a great example. So those are probably a couple different examples of, of people that uh, a mentor that I know personally and work with and another one that I, I look from afar as to um, how to run and grow and to uh, make the business successful. What is the most valuable thing your dad has told you? Oh, that's a hard one. The most valuable one. Um, you know... I'd say less on told me and more of just setting an example. And I, it probably goes back to the, what I've hit on a few times of just getting out and doing it. And I would look, I would say I learned a lot more from his, his example of, Hey, he's just said, Hey, we're, I'm going to start a business. And it, it's not always been easy. It's been one where, you know, there's been great years with the business. There's been lean years with the business and yet him sticking to it or first starting his business and then sticking to it and growing it and making it successful and then having the opportunity to work side by side and see how he's done that has been the best lesson I've learned. So it's probably been less of what he said, more of the example that he said and what he's done. What is one thing no one knows about you? Oh, <laughs> one thing. Well, I was, I don't know. I'd say pretty close. My wife and her wife knows almost everything about me, if not everything. But one thing that most people don't know about me is I like to, and this is way outside of business, um, but I, I, I love and enjoy cars. I, I typically like old, more vintage or classic cars. And so I own a couple cars. One, I was a 67 Camaro, an old muscle car that I restored with my dad when I was a kid and, uh, and getting ready to get my license. And then more recently, um, with the, I, I wanted to do kind of something similar to create memories with my family. So um, we 
um, we actually got a V an old VW bus, kind of the old our old buses that you see driving around, and, and restored that, and that's now become a fun family vehicle. So one thing that I or people don't know about me as much as I, I love cars, and that's one it's been a, a passion and a joy to do that with the with different people or do that with both my dad and with my family. Let's talk about your Meta IP Law business. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so Miller IP Law. Again, what we do is we really focus, or we have two focuses. One is on patents and trademarks. And then, but patents and trademarks, you can still do a lot. And so we do patents and trademarks as related to startups and small businesses. So we help businesses, you know, just for everybody's kind of understanding with um, patents and trademarks. Patents typically protect inventions. So if you have an invention that does something that has a functionality, that performs something, that's what a patent does. For a um, trademark, that's going to protect your brand. That's going to protect the brand of your business. And that's really what we focus on. But then within that, it's now how can we serve startups and small businesses? And we do that everything from we do free consultations where people can come. They can um, ask their questions without having to pay attorneys, uh, high attorney's fees, understand what, you know, what they may need, what would be right for the business. Or, you know, if and if they don't need it, we also give them that answer. So we do that. We do flat fees so they understand how much things are going to cost. And that's very transparent and easy to understand. And then in more in general, we also take a, um, a bill or teaching people. We focus on how to, we, we kind of try and have the heart of a teacher where we focus on helping people to understand um, what they're doing, why they're doing it, what patents are, what trademarks are, you know, what, what decisions to make and really take that teaching approach to make sure that they understand what they're doing rather than just relying on us. So we do that everything from, we have a lot of material on our, our website. We have a blog, we do a, a podcast where we, where we dive into that a bit more and just to several things to try and help people understand how to protect and grow their business. Andy, where can we find your company and how can we connect with you? Yeah, so I'll give you three different ways, and there are a few more, but the three easiest ways. So if you just want to find out more about um, Miller IP Law, the business, um, you can go to Miller IPL. So that's M-I-L-L-E-R, and then I is an intellectual, P is in property, L's in law.com, so MillerIPL.com. And you can go on, you can find more about myself, the law firm, the business, and everything else. Um, if you want to, if you have any specific questions about patents and trademarks, um, we do free strategy meetings or strategy sessions. And the easiest way is just go to freestrategymeeting.com um, and you can grab some time and answer those any questions. If you want to reach out to me personally, whether it's any questions, anything I can help out with or anything I can clarify, you can just go to meetdevin.com and that's just M-E-E-T. D-E-V-I-N, so meetdevin.com. So those are going to be the easiest ways to reach out, find out more, and connect up with me. Thank you. So, Claire, there will be more from Devin in a moment. If you are listening on one of the many podcasting platforms rather than my website and you are encouraged by Devin's journey, go to onlinesuccessjourney.com for a bonus portion of the interview. The Online Success Journey is a wonderful membership community built for people searching for the path to success. We are one big clan and you can be part of this community for free. Once you have joined the clan, click on part two of Devin's journey or over 200 plus other journeys that are available and learn how you can find the right path for your own online success journey. That's a wrap clan. Remember, 
Success is a journey. Patience and David. This is not the end of the journey. We hope you've enjoyed listening to part one and want to be sure you know there is a second part to this and every journey podcast at onlinesuccessjourney.com filled with even more success tips, uplifting stories, and even a bit of fun. There are dozens of episodes only available to the members of the Online Success Journey clan. Check out the website and click on Join the Clan for more information. Patience would like to thank you for listening to this podcast, and she has a free audio gift for you at her website. Go to OnlineSuccessJourney.com for instant access to this gift. Of course, you know that listening to the journeys of others helps each of us chart our own path, so make sure you're subscribed to be notified as each new interview is posted. There are so many ways to stay connected to the online success journey and to listen in. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we appreciate your help in telling others. One of the best ways to share the benefit you get is to rate and review it at Stitcher and other sites by clicking the stars or completing the ratings form. By clicking thumbs up and leaving a comment on YouTube or liking and sharing the podcast on social media. To review the podcast within iTunes, simply open iTunes to the podcast, click on Ratings and Reviews, then write a review. On behalf of Patience and until next time, thanks once more for listening. It is our hope that this podcast will guide you on your own online success journey.